rising on an emerging generation of kings. Free indeed. Free indeed. So yell, free indeed. Tell yourself, I am free indeed. Hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Dami laid a phenomenal foundation last week. Um, I'm just simply here to build on it. I want us to um, open our Bibles to Galatians 5.13. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, the Amplified Classic Version. I want us to understand something. That, yes, we understand that we are freed, but we are freed for something. We are freed for a purpose. Our freedom is a domain of liberty, and liberty is a calling. Freedom is a calling to a purpose. Hallelujah. Galatians 5.13. I'm just going to read from the Amplified Classic. It says, for you, brethren, were indeed. Someone say indeed. Someone yell indeed. For you were called to freedom. So we see here that freedom is actually a calling. And a calling does not, uh, is not just by um, picking up the purpose and running with it, but you have an understanding of what you are doing, right? So just like you pick up, you don't just pick up your phone randomly and make a call. You don't uh, pull numbers from your mind or from your uh, thoughts or from your understanding of numbers, but you know a person, you know the person you want to call, you know why you're calling the person. Right? So freedom is a calling. It says, for you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. It says, only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. Do we see that there? So he highlights selfishness as uh, the thing that avoids or contradicts your freedom. It says, but through love, you should serve one another. So this is our, our uh, pivot text. Uh, I'm just going to read through um, certain portions of the scriptures as we go along. Amen. Amen. All right. So, why do we need to be free? It means that we are, or we were, in some ways bound, right? If we we're not bound before, we wouldn't need to be freed, right? So, let me just run through quickly um, how the bondage, the, the bondage happened in the first place, right? So, we uh, go to uh, the creation of man, right? And how um, God created man in his own image and after his own likeness. We understand that as uh, Bible scholars and <laughs> students that we are, right? So, God created man to be free. That was God's original intention. That was his original desire for man to be free. He created him into that freedom. And we understand uh, from Bible passages and Bible readings that God met with man in the cool of the evening. Now, if that's not freedom, I don't know what that is. How divinity could relate directly with humanity. Amen. But something happened. The enemy came. Someone said the enemy came. And we understood from last week that Pastor Me uh, touched on a couple of things. But he mentioned this specifically that when the devil gives you something... He gives you and creates a debt profile for you. So you're not, you're not free from that thing, but you're only enslaved. So he sort of makes, you, uh, makes it look like you are free from one thing, 
but in the back and without your knowing, he deceives you and lets you on. The, he doesn't even let you know, but you are already indebted to him forever. Right? That's the plan of the devil. That's his deception. So the devil opposes God in his doings. So God made us as free, but the devil came to bind us. And he did that by hiding himself in light. So he says, um, he, came, he comes to Eve and he says, oh, who told you? Did God indeed tell you that this is not, uh, this, tree, this fruit would not give you life? He, says he, does, he basically said he doesn't want you to be like him, right? He doesn't want you to be like him in that you have the knowledge of good and of evil. Uh, let me just read from Genesis. So after all of that happened, the uh, Eve came, takes the fruit, eats it, gives it to Adam. And yes, they, can now, they now had the knowledge of good and evil. Right? That was what they wanted. That was what the devil came to them and showed to them that this is your freedom. This is you being like God. Right? But what they didn't understand that that knowledge of good and evil was not the purpose of God. Because in the original, the original intention of God was for them to be free. And God, being only good, wanted them to have an understanding of only good. Because that's his personality. That's his nature. That's who he is. But he didn't want them to have the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't want them to know that there was anything other than good, right? But the devil comes and hides in, oh, you can actually be like God. Do we understand that? That, that was, so it looks good, right? Ah, who doesn't want to be like God? Who, wants, who doesn't want to uh, reign in the heavens and, and, and have dominion over everything? But God had already given man dominion over the earth. So the devil comes and says, oh, you can actually have dominion in the heavens and the earth. Scam, right? You have dominion in the earth already, so why do you feel the need to go higher? Is that, that's, that's such a trap. Just like the example Peter uh, gave last week. So you've paid your fees. You've gotten your bed space. But there's a debt. There's a bed you always need to service, right? So it's all a scam. So he comes and he tells them that you have knowledge of good and evil and all of that. And when they ate the fruit, immediately their eyes were opened, right? Do we see? That? Okay, let's, let's, let's look at it for uh, context. Genesis... Uh, Chapter 3. Can we go to Genesis chapter 3? From verse 6. I'm going to start from verse 6. It says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, right? So she saw that it was good for food and she saw that it was delightful to look at. So the enemy deceives us by sight. But as believers, I'm going digressing slightly now. As believers, we walk by what? By faith and not by sight. But the devil comes and gives them sight. She says, uh, the word says, the tree was good for food. And it says it was delightful to look at. So the tree must have been good, right? Must have looked good. But was it really good? Was it really good? It says, and the tree to be desired in order to make one wise. So it wasn't, it, the wisdom here is actually foolishness, right? She says, she, the Bible says she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate, right? 
So let's go to a verse. Let's keep going. Verse 7. It says, And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron-like girdles. Verse 8. And it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God comes as usual, right? Have fellowship with them, commune with them, talk to them, relate with them as the one who... Um, is just like them, made in his own image and his own likeness. He's just trying to uh, have fellowship, have relationship with them, right? It says, so God comes as he usually would, and it says, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Right there was where the bondage started. They themselves hid themselves. Are we seeing this? They themselves hid themselves. They themselves encaged themselves. They themselves took themselves out of the freedom that God had given unto them and encaged themselves. Are we seeing this? So we see that the, the enemy was not involved in any of this. Where is the enemy here? He's not saying, oh, God is coming, God is coming. They themselves hid themselves. Are we seeing this? The presence from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So the things that were made for us to have dominion over were the things that we were hiding in. Are we seeing how the devil deceives us to get us to seeming freedom? And then without him even being involved, we ourselves begin to hide ourselves behind the things that we thought uh, we were freed from. The things that we were supposed to have dominion over but the things that we are now eventually trapping or keeping us away. Are we seeing this? Such deception. So Adam was really free before the fall. And this is the intention of God, that we are free. But in our freedom, we are still bound. Are we seeing this? Let me, let me explain that if, uh, just a little. So God gives Adam and Eve the garden gives Adam the garden to tend and to take care of, gives him Eve as a helpmeet, right? To tend the garden, to take care, to have dominion, to subdue the earth, make it fruitful, and they themselves being fruitful and keep multiplying, right? That was God's original intention. But before the fall, God kept them in the garden, but also restrained them by an instruction. So we see here that they were indeed free, but they were constrained by instruction. And that instruction was not just an instruction, it was love. God loves, and God loved Adam so much that he didn't want him to be trapped in trying to distinguish between what is good and what is evil. That was the apex of grace at that moment, that God did not want them to have any knowledge of evil. God just wanted to meet with them and let them bask in his goodness and that would be all that they would know for eternity that was god's intention isn't that love how how would you feel right now if you knew if you didn't know that there was anything like evil how would the world be like right now there will be no search uh, insurgents there will be no wars there'll be peace all around there'll be no diseases because diseases are bad right there'll be no illnesses weaknesses those things are bad right but god's intention was good and good alone so man 
knowing the difference, was opposing, opposing the love of God. Are we seeing this? That was not God's original intention. He says, they themselves hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So in breaking that instruction, in the fruits being eaten, there was a stripping of the freedom from them. But even in that, God's grace was still abounding. So let, let's go on to, uh, just further into the text. After um, God um, asks the woman, says, in verse 13, it says, And Lord God says to the woman, What is this that you have done? He says, The serpent deceived me and I ate, right? He says, He beguiled, he cheated, outwitted, and deceived me. Are we seeing this? He says, And I ate. And then God um, curses them, gives them um, certain uh, instructions. And then says, because, okay, so it says to, in verse 17, it says to Adam, it says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Curses the ground for your sake and all of that and all of that. And then it goes on to, um, verse 21. It says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Hmm. God, these people disobeyed your instruction. I mean, naturally, let's take it from a human perspective. When someone does not do what you said they should do, would you still accord them the same amount of... Um, grace, or would you still give them the same thing that you had in mind? Let's, let's think about it. Would you? Maybe. No. More, of, more like no, right? But God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, in doing that, that was grace in action. In that, yes, these people disobeyed the instruction. Naturally, there is a consequence for this thing. But even in this consequence, there's still grace. Are we seeing this? In matronage of skin, clothe them so that they will not be exposed to the harsh reality. So he said, yes, you are going to bear the consequences, but you are not bearing it alone. A sacrifice has been made for you. I have made a sacrifice for you, covered you with skin, which speaks of the person of Christ. We'll get to that shortly. Amen. So we see grace still in operation, even in um, in the binding of man by himself through by listening and being outwitted and beguiled by the devil. Are we seeing this? Someone say, I understand this. And you see that even in this, age, this time and age, we see the um, impact of excessive knowledge, the birth of science, trying to discover how the things that God has done, trying to prove those things and make it look like God does not exist. These are the consequences of this knowledge of good and evil, trying to over-explain things. So we have humanism, intellectualism, and all the other isms that are not of God. Are we seeing this? So excess knowledge. There's even nihilism, which is the belief in nothing. You just come, you are standing, you are a human being. 
and you say you don't believe in anything. You believe in nothing. Not that you don't believe in anything. You believe in nothing. <laughs> are you? Are, where are, are we? Is there? Is this not the we, oh, too much wisdom? Too much knowledge? So much that you don't believe. You believe in nothing. <laughs> Please, are we? Are we seeing the full? <laughs> so much wisdom that it now becomes foolishness. That is. <laughs> So you have things like atheism. Don't believe in God. So how did you come to be? So yes, they try to explain. They try to make certain, um, create certain reasons or excuses for how uh, man came to be, the Big Bang Theory and all of that. But really and truly, how does a baby's heart start beating in the mother's womb? Explain. Till today, there's no explanation for it. How do we have so many telescopes going around all, and they've not found the end of the universe? And they still keep discovering, oh, 10 billion light years. Oh, we found another star, 100 million light years away. Good dear. After that, you see another one, and you keep seeing. So you can't explain some things away. And our belief is by faith. And this is the, this is the basis of our belief as Christians. We believe in God. And we believe in his sovereignty, his authority, his dominion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be trapped by isms. Don't be trapped by um, the things that men try to make you understand. Don't be trapped by those things. Your standard is the word of God. That's your standard. Hallelujah. That's what really frees you. The word of God. Hallelujah. So we see all of these things, and we understand that even in all of this, man seems to like the alternative more than the solution. So anything apart from God, anything apart from trying to understand something, the moment you don't understand something, or one doesn't understand something, you can't say, oh, God is in it. The moment you try to explain a thing and you don't see any understanding, you just try to stick with our alternative. Naturally, as, as humans, as we are born, we are, we are not sinners because we did something. We are sinners just because we were born. Are we, are we understanding this now? We didn't have to do anything. And, and in, in being born in that sin means that naturally, our natural disposition is to like the things that are not the solution, but the alternative. Understanding that the real alternative is Christ and his, his redemption of us, his salvation that we receive. So man by himself, by being born, is, or is born into bondage naturally. That's just the natural disposition based on this. But we understand that natural, naturally we are born, we are born with skin, with skin covering. We are covered with skin. And that's the grace of God over us. Are we understanding this? Yeah. Grace is accorded to all men. All. Hallelujah. So in trying to speak our own truth, in trying to understand or ensure that people understand what we are doing, oh, if you, the moment you can't understand something, the moment you want to live in yourself or just act the way you want to act by yourself, you say, oh, I want to speak my truth. I want to live my truth. What is your truth? What's the basis of your truth? My truth, my truth. To what end? 
So we see self being dominant in many of these isms. We see self reigning supreme, not knowing that self is actually the bondage. I dare say that the opposite of freedom is self. The opposite of freedom is self. When you are bound by self, let me, let me explain what self does. Self is you in all of you. Not knowing anything outside of you. So you are in yourself, by yourself, in, for yourself. Self-ocracy, isn't it? <laughs> Why? To what end? There is freedom outside of self. So self binds one with its chains. Self-consciousness, self-condemnation, self-righteousness, self-condemnation, self, 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 self. And you keep going on and on and on until those individual causes of self cause us to be bound one link at a time, on and on and on, until we can't move away from ourselves, still in self, by ourselves. Sad. Isn't, isn't that just sad? <laughs> but there is grace. Someone shout, there's grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless God for his grace. God has made grace available. Even in the sin, even in the bondage, there, there it was an opportunity. The Lamb of God was slain from before the foundations of the earth. So even before this happened, there was already grace. Grace was made available already for all. And that's why, isn't, isn't it just phenomenal that all you need to do to enter this grace is to believe by faith? That's all. That's your access to freedom. Amen. The kingdom of God is characterized by paradoxes. I mean, one thing, so what's a paradox? <laughs> paradox is a thing that seems to contradict in itself, but when you look deeper, you see that there's actually truth in it, right? So we get or we gain in the kingdom by giving. We live by dying. <laughs> we are free by being slaves to righteousness. It's, it seems on the surface, and this is why the word says that um, to, to the natural, to the unsaved, the things of the kingdom look like foolishness. So naturally, when you come to someone, oh, please give me your phone. But you want to get that phone, but you are giving them your own phone. How do you, how, do you, how does the guy, when a natural person be like, but you want my phone, why are you giving me your phone? It doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to the natural person. But to the spiritually discerning, that's why a paradox requires digging deep. It says it's the glory of a king to search out a matter. So kingship talks about reigning, talks about coming out from the trees and reigning, having dominion as originally planned, ordained by God. That was the original intention, right? So it says it's the glory of a king to search out a matter. So when you go deeper in the things that seem natural, that seem like foolishness on the surface, you see the depth of God. You see the power of God in those paradoxes. And why, why, why does it seem like 
foolishness to the natural man because this is how God reveals his wisdom, right? His desire is to reveal his wisdom to us, to, to not just to hide his power, but to reveal it to us. And he does that outside of natural thinking. So his ways are parallel to the natural ways, right? I hope you understand this. So we're not staying on the surface. We are going deeper. And the ways of God precedes that of man. And he understood that by, doing, by making it so, something needed to be done to bring man out of that bondage that he, all, that he had from the very beginning. Are we seeing this? Something needed to be done. Something needed to be done. Something needed to be done. And that thing had already been done because God is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He has the fullness of understanding. He, in the beginning, began the beginning, before the beginning began. He reigned before the earth was even formed. Right? And we need to realize something. That being bound by self cannot free self from itself or himself or herself. So how do you free yourself? How does, how does freedom come to you when the so-called freedom that you think you have is actually bondage? Self around self around self and all the cousins and the everything. There's no way to be freed. So man in himself cannot free himself. So we didn't choose to be free. Christ chose us to be free. Christ chose us to be free. Amen. Who's just grateful for that? He, says to, he said to Jeremiah, hallelujah, he said to Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you. Someone say, I'm approved of God. I'm approved of God. God chose me. God knew me. And God approved of me. Hallelujah. He says, he approved of you, now I read from the Amplified Version, it says, as my chosen instrument. So we see that here that we were chosen as an instrument. Now we have instruments. Take this guitar, for example. The instrument is to do what? Serve a purpose, right? The instrument, as it is here, sitting beautifully, looks good, right? Looks appealing to the eyes, right? But is it living out its true purpose if it is not used for something? So we are chosen. So in the, I mean, where's Bimgag? Bimgag, can you wave for me? <laughs> okay. So before you bought the guitar, you, um, you must have seen an array of guitars, probably searching online or went to a music store, or tried to pick out one. But you saw this one is appealing. You didn't say, oh, all these guitars, <laughs> pack everything. Let me, let me just go with everything. You had to choose. You chose. And God is so full of himself that he can choose everyone and still make that each of these, those people look like they are, and feel, look and feel that they have a purpose. So God, so Bimga, you chose this guitar, you chose it, and it looked beautiful, and it's serving the purpose for which you chose it for, isn't it? That is God's intention for us. He says, I approved of you. And you see the limitation here, like before Bimga picked, I mean, the, the person who manufactured this didn't know that Bimga was going to 
buy it, right? Didn't even know Bemga from anywhere. But here now, God is the manufacturer and the one who chooses and gives, says, you, take, this is your purpose, serve this purpose. Are we seeing the power of God in manifestation? He says, I, I knew you, I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I approved of you as my chosen instrument, and before you were born, before the guitar was made, before we were born, he said he separated and set you apart, consecrating you and appointing you as a prophet to the nations. Hallelujah. Are we seeing this? This is our reality. This is God's purpose for us. It says in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 4, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in what? In love. So we see that we are chosen by God, but we are chosen in his love. We are chosen in his love to reign in his love, to have dominion in his love. So we see how love is what limits our liberty. So yes, we are free, but love constrains us. Love compels us, but it also constrains us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we, are we seeing this now? Romans 8, 29, 30. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is this deliverance for someone already? How good does it feel to know that you are chosen? You are chosen. You are approved. Regardless of the state that you are in now, you are approved. Someone yell, I am approved. You know, when, uh, what is approval? What is approval? You, you come for a purpose. You are born for a purpose. Right? And you feel, you may feel like you are not worthy to carry out that purpose. You're not worthy to uh, bask in his love, to receive of his grace and his love. Where he says, I've approved for you. When you approve someone, you have proven that they are accepted in the thing that you have called them to do. Hallelujah. It says, for those whom he foreknew, it says, of, those of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. So before anything even happened, before the fall, before Adam was created, before the foundation of the world, you were already loved, chosen, approved. Hallelujah. It says, and he also destined from the beginning for ordaining them. So ordaining someone is putting them in office to operate, to do what you have called them to do. Hallelujah. It says, I foreordained you, foreordained you, chosen you for something, for a purpose. Hallelujah. It says, to be molded to, into the image of his son and to share where? Inwardly. Hallelujah. To share inwardly in his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. It says, and those whom he thus foreordained, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified. It says acquitted. So this happened before anything, before you even did anything. It says before you were born, before you were formed. Are we seeing this? Before it even happened. So no man is by accident. Hallelujah. The fact that you are here, seated right now, means you are chosen by God. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. Someone needs to hear that now. God chose you specifically for a purpose. 
the purpose that he will continue to reveal to you. So it seems like you are, you are free, you are liberated, or you seem like you are bound. But God has chosen you for that purpose. He has chosen you for that purpose. Hallelujah. It says acquitted. So already you have freedom. No charge. Acquitted means that there was a charge before, but by his love, and he says he, ju he justified them. Acquitted already. There is no sin imputed to the person who chooses or who has been chosen by God. Right? He says he made them righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. Hallelujah. And he says those whom he justified, he also glorified. Say this. Say this together. House, raising them to a heavenly dignity. Say this. Let's, let's say it. Raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Raising them. Heavenly dignity. Heavenly dignity. Seated in heavenly places. It says, and condition or state of being. So as you are seated here right now, you are purposed to operate in the fullness and the power of God. Already. Without doing anything. What earns you this freedom? What earns you this right to reign, to be justified, to be raised to a, heavenly, to a state of heavenly dignity? Just believe. It's just to believe. Hallelujah. And this is what Christ came to do for us. The Lamb of God was slain from before the foundations of the world. So he who knew no sin became sin. Just as we received righteousness by faith was also how Jesus received sin by faith. He was born. He knew no sin. It was, he's God. How can God sin? Explain. 20 marks. How? So God came as himself in human form, the form of flesh. He can't sin. But he took on sin by faith. See how powerful faith is. He died and everything, every sin, the sin of the whole world was imputed into him on the cross. And that was the end of it. That was man's liberation. That was his freedom through Christ by faith. So if we received freedom by faith, if Christ took on sin by faith, how else would the freedom come? Isn't it by faith? Why should it come from anything else apart from faith? What is faith? Just believe that God has, all these things that God is saying to you, his promises, assurances, that is yours. All you need to do is believe. Faith is stirred up in your hearts are new in the name of Jesus. That regardless of the situations that you find yourself in, no matter what the struggles are, the addictions are, you are, you are assured by faith. You are assured by faith. You are assured by faith that God has chosen you. He had foreordained you before you were formed, before anything even happened, before you, you told the first lie, before you stole, the Lord had ordained you before now to walk in his purpose. Hallelujah. That's God's intention. Someone declare that I am, free. I am free. I am free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
So we understand now that freedom has a purpose, right? And a purpose is for us to do something, right? So let's talk about what Christ did for us and what we understand what Christ has done for us, saved us, liberated us, called us his own, brought us, conveyed us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. Hallelujah. So what are we supposed to do with this? It's a purpose, right? Our freedom has a purpose. It's a calling. It says we have been called to freedom, right? So we'll go back to um, Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. All right. So it says, you are indeed called to freedom. What does indeed mean? Indeed means fully, without restriction, truly and really. Lo, to, you were indeed freed. Know it and know it fully. Indeed, called to freedom. It's done, period. No deviation from it. You were called to freedom. It says, only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh. So we understand, and this is where um, the enemy has sort of put some form of darkness into the gospel of grace. In that you are free, free to do everything. Ah, play, go here, do this, go there, do this one too. There's grace, there's grace. But the Bible is saying here, don't let your freedom be an incentive. So it's saying, it won't say it if it's not a possibility. Are we seeing this? Are we getting this? Are we getting this? He won't, he won't say, don't let freedom be an incentive to your flesh if it was not a possibility. It says, an opportunity for all excuse for selfishness. So we see that there's a possibility that the flesh can still reign in one's life, even though that person has been freed. Not that the salvation and the freedom that has been won for the believer is going to be revoked, right? doesn't mean that the gifts of God are without repentance. Salvation is a gift of God. It is ours forever. But there's a purpose for it. And what would stop that purpose from being manifest is giving incentive to the flesh and an excuse for selfishness. So yes, we are freed. But imagine, okay, say someone commits a crime, for instance, and the person um, is charged goes to prison, locked up for a couple of years, serves his or her sentence, right? And the person is freed. So if we're bound by flesh before now, why then should we be bound by that same flesh when we have been freed? Why would an ex-con go back to the same crime he had committed beforehand that caused him to be locked up, right? So yes, he's free now. It also means that he's free to do that thing again, right? There's a possibility. There's a possibility of it happening again. But it's saying, don't use that freedom that you now have to lock yourself up again. I, I think NKJV says, I believe NKJV says, um, not be entangled again. So it means we're entangled before, right? I spoke about the um, how sin and self, selfishness binds us by all these cousins, right? But it says, but through love, let's look for 
the verb there, and that's the purpose. Serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Right, so I'm just going to highlight a couple of things that freedom wins for us. That freedom has made, given us the um, ability to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So first is freedom fixes your focus. Freedom fixes your focus. So man, in knowing himself, there's an infinitude of sin and its possibilities and the things, if we start to mention all the possible sins in this world, we probably won't live here, right? So man's because eternity has been set, the deepest, the, the deepest place in the earth is not in the earth. It's in man. It's his heart. It says, I have set eternity in your heart. What is eternity? What is the end to eternity? It's endless. That's the deepest place, the heart of man. So the same way the heart of man is deep, is the same way the devil is trying and trying to fill that place with all types of wrong that can possibly be done. So till the end of that same man, until that same man is, in quote, destroyed, the devil will keep trying and trying to fill. And things flying left, right, center. You get this craving today. Oh, you want to do this too. This one is coming at you again. Temptation here. This there, that there. And you're like, but what does freedom do? It fixes your focus to one thing. What's that thing? Love one another. So the same way in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were free, but they were bound by love through instruction. So also we are bound by instruction by the word of God, by his standard, right? So freedom basically fixes our focus. So regardless of how many addictions or how many um, temptations or constraints or things we've done in the past, as long as our focus is love, keep walking in that love and keep fighting those addictions, keep fighting, keep fighting them away. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.12, it says, Walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Are we seeing this? Walk out your own salvation. So salvation is a gift. God had done it for us. Hallelujah. Jesus, through Jesus, by faith we believe that we are saved. By grace we have been saved through faith. Right? But we understand also... Look at what it says here. It says, okay, is this it? Yeah. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse. He now breaks it down. It says, caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation. Are we seeing this? So, Yes, we have been freed, but we are bound by love. 
and we are told to work out our own salvation. So we're watching against these things, but we're still walking in love. So we are watching and we are walking. We are watching and we are walking. It says, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Continue. It says, not in your own strength. Are we saying this? It is not in your own strength. It says, for it is God who all the while effectually at work in you. Ha. Let's read this together, shall we? Are we ready? It says, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. So it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. So are we seeing this? Are we seeing the paradoxes here? Are we seeing this? Are we seeing the seeming contradiction, but the wisdom in it? It says, walk out to your own salvation. Do everything. Try. Watch. Watch. Shrink away. Flee. Right? Flee from all youthful lust, temptation, and all of that. But he's saying, not in your own strength. Hallelujah. How possible would man, how is it possible that man will free himself without an external uh, help? It's not possible. So, but he says, not in your own strength. Because if it was in our own strength, we would have freed ourselves a long time ago, right? But we have not been able to, and we cannot. It says, not in your own strength. It says, it is God who is all the while, all the while. We need to understand, someone needs to hear this. All the while, all the while, effectually, so 100%, God is watching over you, working in you. From physics, we understand that some machines cannot attain 100% efficiency, right? But God's work is 100% effective. 100% it says energizing, hallelujah, and creating in you the power. So God's working in you is creating the power that you need to will, so that desire to even do it at all yeah. is in you through God. Are we getting this? It says, and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight, hallelujah. So it is his spirit at work on the inside of us. It is power through the Holy Spirit in us. Are we seeing this? Glory to God. So freedom fixes your focus. It takes away the law. So we understood from last week's teaching that there were 663 laws, right? Ten commandments. Now, if I ask someone randomly, <laughs> random, Kenny's like... Don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Random. Just come recite. You can't remember. Not because we are not intelligent, but it's because it, <laughs> even if we remember, it's hard to keep up. It's impossible, guys. We understand that the, 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 the law was given to show us the standard of God. And this was the promise of the enemy, right? Say <laughs> so you become like God. Yeah, no. Ten commandments. First three, self. Can't flow. Can't roll with it. <laughs> Not to mention 663 laws. <sighs> Where do we want to start from? <laughs> Where do we start from, right? But God in his grace, in his mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says... In this is all of the law fulfilled. 
And that's First Peter. First Peter uh, chapter two. Let's look at it together. First Peter two, I believe it's eighteen. It says in this was all of the law fulfilled. Okay, let me let me check for it real quick. Hallelujah. Someone pray in the spirit. Declare that you are free. I am free. 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 Hallelujah. Right, so it says. All right, so it says live free as live as free people. Yes, without employing your freedom as a pretext for wickedness, but all the times live as servants of God. So it says, in this was all of the law fulfilled. Love yourself, love your neighbors as you do yourselves. So all of the law, all the different parts, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, was shrunk into one thing. Love. Love. Isn't that just liberating? Isn't that freedom? It fixes your focus. It doesn't make you think too much about trying to fulfill, I'll have 663 ways to fulfill something or to please God or to be like God. But by the proof of you knowing God is loving others. And that's all. That's all God instructs us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So freedom fixes your focus. He sorts that out for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Someone shout, I'm free. I am free indeed. Free indeed. Hallelujah. What else does freedom do for us? Or what does freedom call us to do? Freedom is for selfless service through love selfless service through love hallelujah so it says in uh, I'm going to read Galatians 5.13 in uh, TPT version selfless service through love hallelujah it says here, beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So our freedom is in the Holy Spirit. It says, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. <laughs> so I don't free you. I'm, I'm not in prison again. I'm out. Oh, guys, what's happening? Let's roll. Let's ball. Let's flex. Hello. That's the word. It says don't use that wonderful freedom. Hallelujah. Wonderful freedom. It says don't use it as an opportunity to set up a base of operation. I'm, I'm looking at this verse and I'm like, base of operations. So we run things. <laughs> I'm free now. So let's run this thing. So there, 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 there are some teachings that um, guide uh, people into this, into doing the opposite of what they actually feel the freedom is for you to flex. That regardless, grace day. But he's saying that grace is not for that. It's for this. He's saying freedom means 
that we become so completely free of self-indulgence. Someone seeing this? Someone seeing this? You are completely free of self-indulgence. Because yes, you are free, but here it is again, self. The thing that we're bound by before is coming up again. <laughs> Why do I want to go back to being bound by what I've been freed from? It says you are completely free of self-indulgence, that we become what? Servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. So everything we do, the freedom we have received is to serve one another. I love what Fidel's shirt says. It says, saved to serve. Fidel, can you just, can you just let him see your shirt for a bit? Real quick. <laughs> Let's see that. Your jacket is not aligned. Let see. Hey, saved to serve. Hallelujah. <laughs> Dr. Fid, <laughs> I didn't put you on the spot. Though. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are saved to serve. Saved to serve. Expressing love expressing love because really and truly that is where we find our freedom. That is where we realize the fullness, the actuality of our freedom because the, the intention of sin is to take you back to your nature, to your natural self, to draw you down. It's self-destructive. Sin in its own self is self-destructive. Right? So it tries to pull you back, tries to pull you back, but it says you are free already. Hallelujah. Free of self. You are free already. So you can't go back. There is no going back. So even if it seems like it's pulling you, you are still free. Let me just quickly touch on what dead to sin means. When you say something or someone or a thing is dead, it means it can't respond anymore to the, this plane of existence at least, Right? You say, oh, um, say my, my phone died, for instance. You can no longer use it for the purpose that it was called for, right? So we are dead to sin. Sin's purpose is to destroy man, bring him down to his lowest. Well, freedom comes. It says we are alive to Christ. Hallelujah. We are alive to Christ. And so how do we live out this freedom? So even though it seems like we are falling or something is going on, or, oh, wow, I backslid. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I did something I was freed from. It says even in that, you can no longer respond to it. It can no longer serve its purpose in you because you have the freedom already. You are freed. You have been saved. You are dead to sin. You are alive in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 So it says, how do you live? So everything is for a purpose. All right, so we're no longer bound to sin. And everyone is bound by something. Are we, are we seeing this? Even if it's nothing. <laughs> like the, my, uh, what I call them my brothers now? <laughs> like God's own, uh, God's creation the nihilists that don't believe, that believe in nothing. Not, they don't be, not that they don't believe. They believe in nothing. Right? But it's for a purpose that we were freed. Hallelujah. We we're freed for a purpose. And this is it here. It says that when, let me say this, whenever we see a verb 
it means that it's what's the verbs? An acting word, or it says an action or acting, which one? Acting word. Action word. Thank you. Hallelujah. It says, we become. When you see a verb, don't take it lightly because it's an instruction for you to do something. It says, we become servants of one another. So it says, free of self indulgence. So self is obsolete, dead. But we're, so if, if, let's say, take for instance, we are no longer, no longer self-indulged, but we still need to do something, right? So how else do we do that thing? We do the opposite of serving self. We serve others. It says expressing love in all we do. Hallelujah. Expressing love in all we do. And that's, that's where true freedom comes. Freedom is totally contrary to self. Totally. Totally, totally. Hallelujah. We have been freed. We have been freed. So freedom is for self, uh, for service to others, for selfless service through love. Let's not forget that. Hallelujah. What else is this freedom for? Freedom is for Christ conscious living. Hallelujah. So we are free of self now. We are serving others in love. But for us now, we are no longer entangled by the yoke of bondage, which is self. But we are now free to live in Christ. So we are alive to Christ now. We have freedom through him, by his grace, through faith. So what kind of life should we live? The life that he has called us to, right? Because we understand that freedom has a purpose and we are living out. So what are we living out? We're not living out our own uh, doings or our own actions or our own thoughts or our own desires. We're living as Christ would if he was here. The new man's identity, uh, the new man's assurance of his or her identity is the key to true freedom. When you know who you are and whose you are, it liberates you to do this. Express love in all you do. There's a difference between knowing you are free and actually living free, right? Are we getting this? So, yes, oh, uh, Father, I said the prayer, uh, been saved by grace through faith. I've um, accepted Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. I believed, I confessed with my mouth, I believed in my heart, and all of that. You know you are free. Hallelujah. But it doesn't stop there. You live that freedom out. So when the Bible says work out your salvation, it's telling us to live as Christ-conscious beings here on earth. Hallelujah. So knowing is the first step. Yes, that's the first step. You have to start somewhere, right? That's the first step. But the, the intention of God is for us to see the fullness of what he has called us to. So you don't get to a destination by just taking the first step. Hallelujah. You keep going and going regardless of what's in your way. On your way, you have a purpose. You know where you're going. 
whether there's the traffic of tribulation or the detour of, of disturbances all around you or your environment is just pulling you down, you know where you're going. Hallelujah. So stepping in deeper light is what brings us to the life of freedom. And that's through Christ's conscious living. Galatians 5.1 says that we should not live in the flesh lest the uh, bondage of uh, less bondage yokes the believer again. So the, the, what's the criterion for this Christ-conscious living? You can only do it in the spirit. Right? Let's look at Romans 8.1. Real quick. Uh, Romans 8.1 says... So let me just further explain what this yoking is. Like I earlier said, it is not that redemption or salvation is taken from us. It just means that in, on your walk, these things are stumbling blocks. It's like that rock on the road that you didn't see and you fall, uh, stumble upon and one falls. Right? But that's not where we are. We don't, we're not stuck there. We don't fall. So imagine if you're walking on the road, for instance in the outside of the world, <laughs> right? And you kick a stone that you didn't see and you fall. You don't stay there, sleep there, set up a picnic, eat, call your friends, guys, I fell, let's, let's eat to it. You don't. You stand up and you continue moving. Hallelujah. That's what is ex expected of us as Christians. The fact that we fall does not mean we are stuck where we are. We rise up again. It says the righteous man may fall Seven times, we fall perfectly. He says, but he rises up again. He rises up again. Hallelujah. He says here, therefore, there is now no condemnation. He says, no adjudging guilt of wrong. We understand this. We've known this for ordainment. God had called us. He had loved us. He had acquitted us. Hallelujah. He says, for those who are in Jesus Christ, who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk, so the, the knowing is coming into the life of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. It says you have to walk. It says you're not walking after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. So that's the criterion for walking. Walking in the dictates of the spirit. Hallelujah. So naturally, without this, there's no way we can minister in love, Right? So sin is like sort of contamination. So let, let, me, let me use this analogy, right? Uh, how many of us, when we were younger, used to drink agbo? <laughs> well, whether it's cooked by mommy or daddy. <laughs> Some of us are still drinking agbo till now. <laughs> Amen. Right? Uh, so the agbo is prepared. Fresh, hot, steaming. You're looking at it and you're like, ah. So, <laughs> amen. So this is what, and they tell you, oh, it's good for you. It, yeah, you'll be fine. You would treat this. No, the, what is anti-malarial medicine? What is that? Then it was agbo, hot, steaming, with that ginger aroma that smells nice, but under is bitter. <laughs> that we phrase is cringing, like, eh, I'm remembering that one cup that I drank. Hallelujah. Amen. But 
Okay, so say we drink the abo, right? <laughs> right? So we drink this abo, and then we want to drink water with that same cup. So I said it cannot work. <laughs> Wait, what? Because we need to drink water. Let's say that's the only cup. <laughs> ah, yes, no. That's the only cup. Why are you washing? What are you washing? <laughs> Abu continue. <laughs> so that's the only cup, right? And that's the cup you need to use to drink water. So I mean, this is like days after. So you know, the longer it stays, the more you didn't wash the cup, right? That's the only cup. <laughs> so it's concentrated, and then you pour water into it, and then you drink it. I see tasting the Abu. You're like, ah! And you're so thirsty. And the water was cool, like you normally drink. You drink chilled water, you pour it in the cup, and you drink, and you're good. But that agbo still, is still leaving that bitter taste in your mouth. It's just, it's just an analogy between uh, of how sin still leaves that bitter taste. But God doesn't, I mean, now the cup is us, right? Sin was imputed. Let's forget about the medicinal qualities, right? Sin was imputed. Oh, they say it was for a purpose. It would do this, that, and the other. Say, so, I mean, you keep taking, taking, taking. You know, it's possible to overdose on Agbo. It's also medicine, right? And you keep taking it and taking it and taking it. And this is you as a person. You are the cup. But God does not just impute that freedom. He washes us clean and puts in that fresh new water such that when you drink it, you will not even have a, a prior taste of what the abu was or the bitter taste. You will not feel it anymore. You are washed clean, completely clean. Hallelujah. Are we getting this? Are we getting this? So we're not walking along with, uh, after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. So the devil can, may try to come and try to introduce that bitter taste once again. But you can't, you can't remember how it tastes because you have been washed clean. You have been called to a life of service through God, in God. Hallelujah. So this, um, this freedom is for Christ-conscious living. Are we seeing this? I would love to read uh, Romans 6.12 real quick in uh, TPT. May we not be bound by the things that we have been freed from. Someone needs to pray that prayer intensely. May we not be bound by the things we have been freed from. Hallelujah. Sin is a what? Let's look at the screen real quick. Sin is a what? Dethroned monarch. Are we seeing this? So yes, sin reigned one time. But it's now dethroned. Now we are going to the throne of what? Of grace. So it says, so you must no longer give it an opportunity. So don't allow sin reign anymore. It's been dethroned like we now understand. It says to rule over your life, controlling how you live, and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Next verse. It says, so then refuse to answer to its call. Refuse. Are we seeing this? Action. Refuse. Don't pick the call. It says, refuse 
to answer is called to surrender your body. That's the, that's the intention for you to give yourself. Right? It says for weakness. It says instead passionately answer. It's, oh my goodness. Passionately, not just answer. So you see a call, a random call. You see, okay, say you're using true color. Spam. 7288. I hope there's not any networks. Marketing line. 7288. I'm not answering. Well, you turn your phone again, and you see Jeff Bezos. Brackets, Amazon. You see his number. You know his number, probably from research. We're expecting a call. <sighs> Passionately. You probably answer, right? That's how we're to answer God's call. It says to keep yielding, to keep giving yourself, to keep surrendering yourself. Next verse. Let's look at verse 14 real quick. It says, surrender your body to him as one who has now experienced. Right. So it says, remember this. Sin will not conquer you, for God already has. God has conquered us. Amen. Hallelujah. It says, you are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone ought to shout. Someone ought to give God the praise for liberating you. He says he has conquered us. He conquered sin and now he has conquered us. And he lives in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we live that life in Christ. The conscious, knowing that Christ, that God has conquered, uh, conquered us, right? And we live the life that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. And finally, freedom is for reaching out and reconciliation. Reaching out and reconciliation. Hallelujah. So yes, we are serving others, serving um, one another, expressing love in all that we do. Part of expressing this love is ensuring that the next person feels that freedom, understands that love. And this is what we've been called to as Christians, right? This is why soul winning is so important. This is why discipleship is so, so important. Because you are being built, discipled by God in that freedom that you have. You are being uh, taught, living that life, and you are bringing others into that life. Right? Hallelujah. This is why master life is extremely important because it's in the purpose of God for us. Hallelujah. Freedom is for reaching out and reconciliation. I dare say that only Christians have true freedom. Only Christians, no one else. Because no one else can come to this freedom outside of Christ. You can't come to this freedom outside of Christ. And that's the truest form of freedom. So in doing what God has called us to, serving, expressing love in all that we do, living as Christ conscious, not as sin conscious or guilt conscious or shame conscious, but living as Christ conscious with the identity that we have in him, we live out our lives. And in doing that, we are expressing love to others, pulling others in, ensuring that, oh, oh my brother, wow, he's not saved. Have I shared the word with him? Have I allowed the spirit to take, uh, 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 to capture his heart through the words of my lips? Am I living? Am I, am I uh, doings, my attitudes, my characters, are they reflective of Christ such that another person would see the love that I exude and want to come to the light that I have? 
this should be at the back of our minds. Hallelujah. At all times. So it's for reaching out. We can't be free. We are no longer self-indulged. It's not just for us. It's for others. It's part of the service. Reconciling others to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are free. We are set free. We are liberated completely. Completely. Hallelujah. Why not just jump up on your feet now and blast in tongues and begin to declare the freedom of God over your life. Declare that you walk conscious of the Christ in you, the hope of glory, the image of God. Hallelujah. Praise Make it hot in the room. I declare that I live free, free of guilt, free of shame. I'm free in Christ. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have learned of these truths from the Word of God and we declare in the name of Jesus that this truth sets us free. This truth sets us free in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Prince, I am set free. I am set free. No longer bound. No longer bound. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to shame, to guilt, to condemnation. Oh, Yes, I am set free and I'm free indeed. The Son has set me free and I'm free indeed. My mind succumbs to this truth in the name of Jesus. Nothing holds me back from walking in the light that God has called me to in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I am set free. I walk in that freedom. Yes, I reach out. Yes, I act in the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, I love selflessly. I sell selflessly in the name of Jesus. Yes, my focus is fixed on the freedom that God has won for me. And I declare in the mighty name of Jesus that I live in love. I live in love in the name of Jesus. Expressing love in all that I do. Oh, I declare every bondage of sin over my heart, over my mind. Oh, it is broken in this moment. I pull it down. I pull down those, those chains. I pull down those structures. I break the yoke in the name of Jesus. I stand in the freedom, in the, do, in the, in the dominion of the freedom that God has won for me. And I declare I am set free in the name of Jesus. No longer shall sin reign over me. Sin is a dethroned monarch. It cannot reign any longer. I cannot respond to it any longer. I'm free in the name of Jesus. The Lord is setting someone free this morning. The Lord is setting someone free this morning. Free indeed I am. Free indeed I am. The Lord is breaking the bond of sin over someone's heart. The reign of sin. You feel like you are condemned completely. But the Lord says, I do not condemn you. I do not judge you. 
I've called you my own and you walk in my purpose in the name of Jesus. So bring Satala Makedas. Masia. Oh, I live in this freedom that I have. Oh, I live out this freedom through love in the name of Jesus. Being selfless, serving one another in the name of Jesus, bringing souls uh, to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God and His goodness. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, Father, we give you the praise. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, we've prayed. Someone glorify your God with a hand clap and a shout this morning. Glory to God. I am free indeed. I'm free. I'm free. Free indeed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who is grateful to God for freedom and liberation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give God the praise one more time just before you take your seat. Hallelujah. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.